This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, welcome to another episode of Pints and Politics UK. This week, Adam isn't in the pub. He's actually volunteering to help children out who are in difficult um, circumstances and suffering from hardship. A remarkable gesture that shocked even me when I found out. So Gus is on demand, like the wonderful on-demand services that are available, and he's back. Hello again. Back with an apparent... With an I apparent, charge you, yeah, uh, yeah. charge you a subscription fee. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fortunately, it's on demand. Mm. Dod, god, god. I was gonna. God, right. Okay. Needlessly religious, but you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. We can, we can work that out. We can. We can. Uh, supportive of all religions and people who don't support a religion, um, as well as all political opinions, as well, of course, because debate is a very good thing, and we must cherish the right to have it. Um, big topic this week. Generally, I've got, I've got a return of the debate topic this week, actually, which revolves around footballing matches. You can probably guess which one's tying to the politics show and the football. Uh, but first, we'll stick on the big topic this week, which I've gone with as um, the latest on the coronavirus update. So everyone in Britain, other listeners from other countries might not be aware, but in Britain, June the 21st was a really, really big day. Um, that's not because it's my mum's birthday. Uh, that's completely irrelevant. But June the 21st was actually um, the day when apparently the UK were going to end restrictions, come out of the road, Boris Johnson's roadmap seamlessly into, into the return of normality and everything was going to be happy. We were going to sing songs, hold hands, skip down the road and um, no looking back. But despite the fact the roadmap has gone quite well thus far, there has been a little bit of a snag at the end of this roadmap. Now, it's not been confirmed yet. It should be shortly. Uh, this is being recorded on the Thursday, by the way, and this will go out on the Saturday, but people are expecting a delay of maybe two or four weeks, um, maybe even longer, potentially. Uh, but two to four weeks has been mooted from that date, June the 21st, because there has been a rise in variants, particularly the Indian variant, and they're now seeing a Delta variant, which might also be the Indian variant. I can't really keep up, but there is a lot of, essentially, a surge in cases. Now, because last time you were on, you said that there were going to be lots of variants, probably, because that's what happens with a virus, and it was about how we managed to cope and live with them. Uh, but this surge suggests that there is a bit of caution being thrown to the wind. Uh, yeah, I think so. So I think I think, was the wrong think phrase we, as well, wasn't it? It should have been with, with caution. The, Caution. caution, not Just caution to the wind. Fine. That's that's what we've been doing. I mean, caution, doing. caution to the wind in that we've just sort of head head charged our way through. Uh, oh, everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. Yeah. You know, India have got millions of cases. They were probably always going to end up with a variant because the more cases you have, the more virus there is to uh, have a chance to mutate. Hmm. Um, and we, despite all our uh, this is maybe uh, harking back to Brexit, but despite all our calls that Brexit would allow us to control our borders better, mm. we haven't controlled the borders that well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we let flights through from India that 
rationally should not have been let through. Uh, it was very clear how many cases were in India. Um, it was very clear that if we wanted to go there and it was any other country, we'd be probably that would probably be on the red list. And it seems like one of the only reasons we let them through is because we needed to secure a trade deal with India mm. because of Brexit. Mm. Yeah. So Brexit itself has, which was meant to allow us to control our borders, borders better, has actually inhibited us from controlling our borders better. Yeah, I mean, um, even in light of Brexit. To some extent. Yeah, I mean, it's extent. quite tenuous there, Gus. I know you, you, you're not shy on your views on Brexit. It's a little bit... Uh, I get it's your point. It's a bit of a stretch, but it is... It's it's a bit of a stretch and maybe a little bit of a, a domino effect coming in. Mm. Yeah, you're right with the uh, with the variants and the cases have started to creep up. I think the Indian variants a lot meant to be a lot more transmissible. Mm. Um, yeah. The thing is, though, and obviously you're more scientific than me, and and uh, that's that's good for this particular bit. But I've noticed, and someone someone touched on this. Obviously, news channels and media do. What what is the biggest selling factor, whether it be a news channel or a, or a newspaper? It's often negative news or or fear news or or scare tactics, something that's not going according to the script. That's what sells, unfortunately. And you see, I've seen particularly a lot in in news on news channels, lots of rises in statistics in percentages. 80% up higher this week, 70% up higher this week. And of course, the cases are in the thousands, actually, you know, in, in various different places. But the actual hospitalizations and deaths are still very, very low. So is should we be, obviously, the scientists will say that the rising cases leads to the possibility of a third wave, which leads to the possibility of situations not too dissimilar to what we've seen in the past and what has been seen across the, across the world. But at the same time, the actual numbers, the actual deaths, the actual hospitalizations aren't drastically rising. So do we have to be a bit, is there, is there room for a bit of skepticism on the rise of these variants? Or is that more the, you know, the... I think, I think when you look at sort of the profile of the people who've been vaccinated, mm. the most vulnerable people in society have had one and probably even two doses at this point. So it's just really sort of, I think the only people left who haven't had at least one dose of the under 25s mm. um and i think it goes back to the thing where young people were uh very much told that they were not Ill invulnerable and they could still be affected by the virus quite badly which is true although they were sold it was it was you know oh make sure everyone's being responsible to protect everyone else mm -hmm. good message but now now we're seeing a lot of the older people have been vaccinated. Younger people are just being encouraged to get on with it mm. um, and sort of told that it won't affect them as much, which mm. from the death statistics, you could argue is true. Because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, from what I've seen, the deaths the deaths, and even the hospitalization stats are fairly constant. Mm. Um, despite the rising case, I think it's gone up from maybe 2,000 a couple of weeks ago to around mm -hmm. about 6,000 mm. um, the last couple of days. Mm. so i know it always follows on sort of like a bit of a, a two-week lag for the deaths but mm. it's still interesting how even over the last few weeks as the cases have been rising and rising mm. the deaths and the hospitalizations have stayed very constant yeah um, i think that's just a fundamental fact that young people especially young people without any underlying health conditions 
mm. will deal with it better um, and are physically generally much healthier and much better at fighting off uh, illness, mm. even if they are, even if the government was originally right that they are not invulnerable and they still can't get seriously ill with it. Yeah, I think, well, the big losers really are a delay to the June, the June the 21st hour businesses, aren't they? I mean, so the hospitality sector that still has uh, social distancing in place. I mean, if you go to a pub now, there's a lot, there's an emphasis on using technology, not leaving the seat. It's quite different to the old pub experience of going to the bar and ordering. Personally, I... Less social I, I, interaction for me. Yeah, less social <laughs> interaction for you. Uh, I prefer the old ways. I must say my phone playing up like havoc last time I went was a nightmare. Um, but obviously you wait for someone to come around. But generally speaking, the, the consensus is, and I think it's the right consensus that uh, the social distancing measures that are in place, particularly in hospitality, does still affect uh, the turnout at hospitality venues to a point, not dramatically, but still to a point. You're thinking maybe older people actually there who don't, who, you know, and, and myself including that, I do prefer how it used to be as opposed to particularly with the beer gardens. But not obviously that, that will affect those that are in open activity now, but also even more so it'll affect nightclub owners and, and nightlife owners that, that were desperate to open up without the, the, ne- the need for any restriction. Now, still a possibility they might open up, but how you manage to do that with, you know, with, with social distancing guidelines yeah. in place, is anyone's guess. It would be like, uh, uh, well, I can't even think what it would be like. It'd be very, very difficult. It would be that. difficult. Um, You'd have a severely reduced capacity. Yeah, the club would probably still look full. Yeah. because everyone was spread out Burnley Town won't have a problem you know I mean it's uh, <laughs> they've been there doing was a uh, there was a super there was a, a, a super spreading event mm. a well it's sort of like a pub but it's not a very nice one and mm. it has like a big wooden floor in the middle and they move the chairs off and turn it into a dance floor at night <laughs> right um, I, I don't know if it was in pub or if it was in uh, bar slash club form yeah when this happened but there was a super spreading event do you know where uh, this was? It's in Northwich. Of course it was. Yeah. Um, for, for any international me. listeners, that's uh, fortunately, Chester, I've been middle of the country-ish, middle yeah. of England. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I've been fairly reluctant to go out, yeah. uh, at least until I've had my first vaccine. Mm. Um, so I was not there, but I think they urged a bunch of people and they, they urged pretty much the whole of Northwich to get PCR tests. Yeah. Done. my word um fortunately well they 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 were meant to text people um yeah or they were meant to they were meant to have some way of notifying people you'd think that would be through the covid19 app yeah you know? oh it's don't really mention app. the app don't mention really the app. app designed so everyone can check in and you can trace exactly who's been where yeah. and you can notify anyone on their phone you say this is your area Ping, yeah. go and get a PCR test. Oh. Absolutely shambolic. People were getting letters. Yeah. People were getting, people were relying on articles in the Northwich Guardian. Mm. Absolutely shambolic. Mm. Um, yeah. The app was a big fail um, in case anyone didn't, cannot remember or, or wasn't aware. And like, just for clarification, as I say, on any international audience, there's Northwich, fairly a small town near Chester. You don't know where that is. It's sort of near Manchester. Kind of. You don't know where Manchester is, then do your research. I'm not doing any more. London's quite a long way away. Um, <laughs> from in the that. same country as London. Yeah, in the same country as London. Very good. London's popular with international. If London. someone's American, they probably think it's really close. 
it's not it's because of how much it, bigger america is actually it is yeah technically it is on the scale the uk much more you're right actually fair point if you're fair american point. it's really close it is very uh, close to london it's very close to london um, yeah if you're british very very far away don't know what happened to my accent there but it is one of those uh, yeah it's one of those but there'll be a, there'll be quite a lot of I, th- I get the sense actually public opinion is generally of the opinion that <laughs> I, I, I've, I get that vibe locally. I get that vibe on Twitter. I get that vibe on social media. I get that vibe generally everywhere. Um, I mean, obviously, you're, 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 you consider yourself to be an intellectual, Gus, so you might disagree, but, um, <laughs> but I don't know. But um, the general public opinion from what I can see is we don't want any more delays. So when this, if this does become official, it hasn't become official yet, there's still a chance it doesn't. But if it does, and there are more delays to the, end of the restrictions to the opening up of the country i just think people will say well i've had enough i can't be bothered anymore because i've got that vibe for quite a while and since that roadmap's gone into place there hasn't really been um there hasn't really been a a a fail a failing across so far it's hit every target that it's had so we haven't really seen any we're still seeing anti-lockdown protests and we've actually been coming out of it which is quite bizarre but this time and it's not going back into a lockdown but it is a is a barrier I don't think people want barriers now, do they? As, much, as, as difficult as that is when you see a, a rise in the third wave and the possibility of more deaths and, you know, what the scientists will say, I think people have simply had enough. I think they've had enough. Mm. I think I think if it, if, I think if it had been, I think this, if this had been three or four weeks ago, mm. they could have bought themselves some time mm. by pushing it back then. I think people would have been a bit more, say if they did it on the 17th of May when the last lot of restrictions came out, mm. Um, or got lifted I should say I think people would have been a little bit more sympathetic to say okay we've just had some new restrictions it's another level it's another level but the government feels like we're not quite ready to 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 open everything up I think people would have been a bit more sympathetic but it's just this it's it's sort of how they've had uh the the government have had sort of like oh we're at the end of this but they've been saying that for the last nine months and to be fair to the government it's like an air of complacency almost since January, they, they went into the lockdown, which was which wasn't great. But since that, and you, it was necessary, by the way. I think that that lockdown at the start of the year, they have got on top of cases. Generally, they have unleashed. As I, I'll always say, I actually think Boris Johnson's roadmap out of that lockdown was well measured in balancing both sides, and they've actually done so well to almost hit every target amid all the corruption allegations and so on that's been going on in the background. <laughs> on that front, they've actually been doing quite well, and I will recommend the government for that yeah. uh, especially when you look at other countries and how they've dealt with it and it is it is a little bit almost you know it's a little bit if if there is this antagony to all this animosity towards any slight um blockages at the end it is a little bit of selfishness i think a little i mean it's understandable selfishness uh, given but Given the efforts of the past four or five months, it has gone quite well. Now, I'm not of the opinion, as many will know, as you know, that this government's done a wonderful job over the pandemic. You'd have to be, well, even blind person could tell you that. And I mean, no offence to any blind people, but you could. Um, but essentially, it's been quite solid for quite a while, this response, I think. So I think, it's always going to happen, wasn't it? Been, a little bit. Yeah, it was always going to happen. There's, There's... I'd say from ever since last summer, mm. when when perhaps we found out a little bit more about the virus and we mm. found out we could contain the cases quite nicely, especially in the warmer months, mm. 
um, just by asking people to be careful. Mm. Um, I think ever since then, there's been a, an air of complacency. Mm-hmm. First with the schools and not wanting to admit that the schools contributed to a significant rise in cases, mm. despite the fact that during lockdowns that everyone else was at, except from the schools were still open, the cases didn't drop. Um, I think there's been an air of complacency and I think that's kind of carried over to, to now mm. um, with the management of this new variant. In terms of the actual plan, mm. I would say the actual plan was quite nicely spaced mm. out. Mm-hmm. It complemented the vaccine program mm. nicely. Mm-hmm. But I don't think letting, f- uh, letting flights in uh, from countries we perhaps shouldn't yeah. have been with Obviously. a lot more cases than ours was uh, part of the original plan. Mm. Um, And I think the plan was good, but I think it was the stuff they added afterwards Mm. um, that has perhaps not been accounted for fully. Yeah. Um, But do I think I will... uh, Do I think I was absolutely frothing at the mouth to go out on the 21st as soon as the restrictions uh open and go out Northwich Northwich probably not I probably would have I I, my view of it now is I've waited this long Mm. might as well just wait till the end yeah and I'm I'm probably gonna wait until I think I think the (laughs) (laughs) I think you know if I could have COVID and just uh if if COVID like genuinely is just like a cold which mm. is obviously not. Mm. I would just take it and that's it. And mm. I'd be happy. Take it. But it's this it's this possibility of long COVID, all the other complications that go with it, that mm. still makes me err on the side of caution, even though mm. I know that I'm perfectly uh, healthy. Mm. So I think I'm still, I've waited this long. I'm going to wait until I get my first vaccine. Mm. Um, yeah. I think people have had enough at this point. I think people are going to be pretty... Uh, pretty livid if he uh if he pushes it back you know like i say generally and, and i say this as i say this road map out i'd be sympathetic towards mr johnson and company Gen- gen- genuinely if people started to rebel at the 90 percent mark of it being completed because i think well they've done such a good job in rolling out the vaccine they've done such a good job in laying out a roadmap and that's one of the things i credit boris johnson with so i would actually have some sympathy if if um it wasn't for the uh, response up until probably 2021, which was about you know as as up and down and round and round as yeah. as, as some as, as some drunk men on a bloody um, on a what do you call it roundabout. Round. Thank you, thank you. Yes, uh, I, yeah, I'd agree with that. The, yeah. the 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 I think they confused exit strategy with proper planning mm. and. The talk, even even in like July last year, the talk was always about exit strategy, and it was mm. like, oh well, we can just hold on. But I don't think they quite fully realised that we would be holding on for a year mm. almost. And, um, the, and those merry-go-rounds are hard to hold on to, especially after a few. Especially after a few, yeah. I don't even need a few. Um, and I uh, think I think you're right. The it's been up until up until the vaccine program, which was sort of always what we were banking on. Mm. I think we were banking on it a little bit too heavily. Mm. I would describe it as shambolic. I think. Mm. Yeah, uh, no. there was ups and downs. I think it was they were trying to apply rigid mm. criteria like the tier system, mm. and then and then they wouldn't and then they wouldn't think. Hang on a minute, this tier system. We're going to have three tiers. And the three are going to be number one is really good, 
Mm. Number two is average, and number three mm. is really bad. Mm. But we're not going to put in uh, a tier system that uh, effectively goes from zero to one, mm. like with one being a full lockdown and zero being back to normal. They yeah. sort of centered it in the middle, like they didn't think it could ever go back. Yeah. Um, it just led for tears for all as opposed to tears for the particular yeah. uh, locations. And uh, it's quite ironic. They did something Christmas similar was, with. Uh, did something similar to the traffic light system, didn't they, for recently with the... Uh, yeah. yeah. I think the run-up to Christmas was awful, especially for yeah. for people. So we had that... So some people have been in Tier 3 basically since summer. Hello! In fact, that might have been, that might have been you. Yeah. That was me! So you were in Tier 3 yeah. from, like, September yeah. pretty much through. And then we had that uh, lockdown in November for yeah. a month. Yeah. So till December. So call that like, mm. three months that you were effectively mm. in a lockdown. And after that, we were still in the tier three. And then, and then you got moved up to tier four. We might have done actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, before Christmas, mm. so that was another month. And then we had the the lockdown in uh, January time. Yeah. So then you sort of have to question if a if a whole region, yeah, has been in tier three, yeah, for three months and the cases haven't gone down and then had a and then had a month's lockdown the cases still haven't gone down yeah is the tier system really strict enough oh i mean as i say add the tier system to many of the flaws that we saw in 2020's response as i say the the recent months have been quite uh in antithesis with the um the the opening the middle of the of the response and it's really as i say, it's it's been an upturn trajectory and, and and this is a as a little bit of a of a of a bump in the road and as me and adam have said before on this podcast we expected 2022 virtually until december to have its ups and downs and rounds and rounds because that's what what happened in 2020 when we came out of the first lockdown in 2020 the the ambition at that time way back in may 2020 was that we would eventually uh, slowly ease ourselves back to normality and that actually ended up well, there's going back in obviously it's different with a vaccine but the truth is we just don't know what's going on 2021 has been about as unpredictable as 2020 thus far and i wouldn't like to call it but I, all i would say is anyone who was thinking and i and i apologize to holidaymakers at this point anyone who's thinking to book a holiday away why 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 what are you doing i mean just focus on the freedoms that we do have i mean in, in britain and maybe go across britain on holiday why not some lovely places cornwall burnley you know wonderful holiday destinations but um honestly i'd it's it's it, it, it's it's i think it's mind-boggling to think that across the globe that this year will be a normal year i do think it will go down to the why hopefully we get a normal christmas hopefully we have a normal end love to see football fans return to stadiums but realistically i think it was always up against it given just how crazy this past 12 months or so has been but without touching on covid for too much longer switch a little bit we'll switch a bit to your favorite topic gus the eu you heard about the sausages this week? I haven't heard about the sausages this week. Uh, oh, could you elaborate me a little bit, please? It's not. It's not. Um, is it to do with import and export? It is. You could probably guess, and it's is uh, it to do with tariffs by any chance. Something along those lines. Essentially, of course. Yeah, essentially, EU don't want British sausages. Uh, British don't know why. Uh, the trade experts in the government don't know why. Well, we do know why. It's because obviously uh, 
essentially, I don't they have ours when they can have their own. Something along. We should have seen this coming. Yeah, we should have seen it coming. It's just like, why would they suddenly want to start buying our stuff when they don't buy it before? Yeah, well, it is. uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to touch on it for too much. You could probably use this with a number of products, and you could probably use it for a number of different things. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, not much more to say, really. I mean, we can talk specifics, we can talk names, but at the end of the day, like you say, it's quite an obvious thing, and that's kind of what happens. You're going to have some difficulties in trade. I mean, Northern Ireland's had it hard, hasn't they? And Boris Johnson's trying to um, negotiate with EU leaders to make sure they have it less hard. Um, essentially, well, they're in a bit of a they're in a Northern Ireland, poor Northern Ireland, in a bit of a rock and hard place. Northern Ireland and Ireland still in the European Union, but there is issue because obviously part of Britain as well who aren't in the European Union and then there's issues with trade there's issues with how things are you know going in and out of the country Northern Ireland are feeling the 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 brunt of that really and actually we've seen uh we've seen we've seen demonstrations uh on the streets of the unhappiness of the Northern Ireland people with how they've been shafted really while all this has gone on it's quite sad, isn't it, really? They've kind of been forgotten about by not really, by still being in the EU and, and sort of being forgotten by Britain in, in many ways. Yeah, it's almost like a sort of, um, obviously not not this extreme, but sort of, they're, they're almost like a European or a, or a British Isles refugee in terms of they don't really, they're sort of relying on the EU to take them in mm. as they're still part of it. Mm. Um but they still have that that tag of being attached to Britain. Mm. Um, they don't really have a place to sit at the moment. I think they're quite. In, I think they're in quite a difficult, um, quite a difficult predicament. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it, I think it was always going to be a complicated situation because, yeah, with with Scotland and Wales it, as part of the mainland, you can sort of see that they would just have to take it on the chin mm. and accept that as part of the UK mainland they were uh, going to become part going to become effectively removed from the EU mm. but i think with ireland and they have sort of their own uh, a bit more of their own independence even yeah. if northern ireland are part of the uh, are part of great britain i think it was always going to be tricky mm. but boris um, said it would be easy though boris did say it would be easy <laughs> boris said a lot of things would be easy that haven't been easy yeah uh, such yeah. as such as decorating his house with his with I was going to say the COVID the COVID nineteen app, um, ah, yeah. But decorating house. his house uh, within budget is and difficult. Funds from the correct source. And to be fair, you can you can relate to that. With decorating seven holiday homes for the summer can be a challenge, even for the best of us. And I mean, I'm sure well, it pulls your. It used budget. all taxpayers' money because I am a taxpayer, and it well, used mine. Ah, right. Yeah. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Slide dig there. Um, um, very good. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's another one as well. Um, so two qu- two quickies as well here. We've got uh, education plans. So basically, the Conservatives had a robust education plan to catch the kids up. Uh, included lots of things. They hired 
Um, they they brought in experts who could basically a government expert to to lay forward a very extensive plan would cost quite a lot of money. Uh, Rishi Sunak saw the plans and said, actually, no, we're not doing that. And the new plans, just over one billion pounds. In actual fact, I think Labour wanted a fifteen billion pound plan for the sustainable uh, education of um, of the of the current generation who were kind of falling behind. And whereas the Conservatives is just over one billion, which is well almost 15 less um, than the than the um, than the Labour proposition. Essentially, what's supposedly happened, Boris Johnson was going to go with it. Rishi Sunak said no. So Boris Johnson said, OK, no. Um, so the Chancellor is saying it's too much money, cut costs on that. Um, it pales in comparison to much of the other countries who are piling money in at this point to their um, own, own, to the education and sustainability of the current generations in their countries. We're kind of throwing them under the bus a bit. Um, yeah, it does, not really. Does it surprise you? Not really, probably. Um, it doesn't surprise me. It's it's interesting to hear that Boris was going to go ahead with supposedly, supposedly going to go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was the fifteen billion because that was the Labour proposition. I think the Conservatives wasn't quite that high, but it was it was more than more 1 than billion, what though. what one point three, I think. Yeah. I think you look at how much money we've spent, you look at how much money we've lost. Mm. And at this point, it's kind of just like, just, just open the checkbook. Mm. Like it's not, it's, you can't just cut corners on education in my opinion. No. Because, okay. Yeah. You can save a few pennies here and there. Mm. Um, Foreign aid budget. Well, at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> that's our, that's, that's going to be our economy in 15 years. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, or maybe, maybe the uh, the class of Eton 20, 20, 21, 22 will be running the economy, maybe. Um, I don't, who knows? Who knows? I mean, they probably will be, but <laughs> that was gonna that was gonna happen anyway. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's it, that's gonna be our that's gonna be you know those people are gonna be doctors. Mm. Going to be engineers, going mm. to be journalists, going mm. to be politicians, going to be nurses. They're going to they're going to be the backbone of the country. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think some sectors can probably uh, be- will probably benefit from this uh, this um, reduced sort of priority given to education. Still think sectors do now, don't they? Really, you know, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. But I think. I think more, maybe more uh, traditional labouring uh, mm. jobs, uh, apprenticeship level jobs, could potentially benefit from uh, a higher proportion of students who feel like they uh, want to go into more vocational work or they don't feel like schools equip them to go into to more academic or more um, sort of, I guess, the... Uh, the term would be desk jobs yeah kind of thing no, it's um, or more more perhaps uh modern skilled labor rather than traditional skilled labor yeah um so Fair i think point. some sectors will benefit but i think some of the really key sectors will be seriously hindered especially now in mm. combination with perhaps dare i say it the lack of skilled labor coming over from europe mm. uh I believe quite a lot of our doctors, yeah, 
Uh, Although doctors should still Europe. be should still they will be still fired be on, the, on the quota, which is is reliant on higher skills, isn't it? And they will still be allowed to, but the question mm. is whether they will want to. Mm. Yeah, um, they will. They will be. I don't see it. I don't see it being as beneficial for them as it was before. No, certainly no. Um, fair point, and the fair point so, on ships as well. I think. I think some sectors are going to grow. Some sectors are going to shrink. But overall. Surely the policy has got to be educate your population as well as you possibly can do. Well, yeah, I, I, and you're squabbling yeah. over 14 billion. Yeah, they spend my, my, more than that on trivial things. Although I would argue that our education system really needs massive reform in terms of what we do, what we um, what we study ethically, what we study politically with political systems, and 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 I mean the right and the left, not just as some people would say, a favouring of one or the other. I mean, all sides, so people can formulate real opinions of the world, come out of school with a real understanding of, of their political compass, with a real understanding of their ethical compass. I also think that it need, there needs to be an emphasis on financial management because too many people come out, don't know how to spend the money properly, don't know how to open uh, bank accounts, don't know, how, don't know the severity of going to ridiculous situations of getting payday loans and not thinking about interest and things like this. And this does happen. I, I work closely with a financial advice company. This does happen. And they all believe uh, that education is absolutely imperative at that level to stop these mistakes happening. Unfortunately though, Gus, and I do think I do, and I'm not going to bring a debate into this. I do think that there's a lot of business and a lot of companies cynically, I think benefit from that lack of education. Even you'd argue that politicians who get elected benefit from that lack of education in that country, because then they are the subjects that they have are easier to control, to, to, to convey to a message and also for other companies out there that make a lot of money, maybe through the exploitation of others, that is there because there isn't the education in place at a younger age to prevent that exploitation from happening across the board. And it does happen quite regularly. I would, I would agree with that mm. um, across the board. It's, I was it's surprised definitely... I, didn't, I didn't say an ermine that. I, felt, I, I thought I got into flow and it was quite, it was quite, it was quite well put, I think. If you go back to the... Uh to the bus with 351 million pounds a day written on the side. Where's the one come from? I thought it was just 350. Wouldn't, wouldn't look as attractive 351. Let's it? say 350 then. It was. Uh, 350, if you go back to the bus with 350 million yeah. pounds a day yeah. on the side, mm. that was a clear taking advantage of people who uh, either weren't educated enough to care yeah. or weren't educated enough to have perhaps some skills which would allow them to question it and then form their own opinion. Well, yeah, Brexit's a whole different... I mean, we could talk about Brexit. But in general, yeah. in general, you're, you're right in that companies and governments do gain a lot of power and profit from people who are perhaps not as educated as the school system should, uh, should be able to equip them and, and dare i say it also people who help those people charities debt advice companies financial advice companies these people gain uh, earn a living gain a prominence because there are so many people who don't have that education and they don't have that knowledge and that means that as i say people who train up to to be specialists in this sector can always offer their help and advice. Obviously, that's how they make their own living. So there's a lot of people across a lot of boards, not just the people who exploit, but also the people that help even charities 
there's a lot of people employed in those sectors actually benefit from the world being the way that it is. And that is not fully, um, fully uh, de developed in terms of the education that I feel personally is, is really needed. If anyone does do that, it could be a lot of struggle, a lot of people who might find themselves out of jobs because quite frankly, a lot of things wouldn't be quite as relevant if they did do a full education reform like that. And, and, and it, it's really interesting. It's not all about, exploitation it's about helping those as well and that's what happens with a in not a, a not completely fixed um population rising up from the educational stratosphere that was a wonderful way of words but could be on that for ages last really briefly uh before we go on to debate topic is um uh the announcement of the corporation tax coming out so we've got the lowest we are 15 percent corporation tax uh, in the uk on big uh big elite companies this is the lowest um it's been well the the, the my data showing from 2010 it was 28 uh tax that's steadily gone down year on year by 2019 it was 19 percent tax on uh, big tech giants uh that, that want to come into britain now it's 15 percent again just briefly that does seem really is there is i mean um, this taken by the spectator does say uh, that lower tax rates in 2010 actually resulted in a higher revenue for the country, which, of course, is because probably they can spend that money into making more jobs and, uh, you know, creating more opportunities for others. There is that point of view, but it's a bit misleading, isn't it? Because at the same time, the money that they aren't spending in tax can't be redistributed into into the public um, public stratosphere on, on services. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think if there was a if there was a solid game plan to this this may be the case a solid game plan to temporarily lower the tax to mm. perhaps lure companies over so although your revenue per company from tax would be lower because mm. each company was getting taxed less if there was more companies here there'd be more jobs yeah and also there'd be more companies paying the lower amount of tax yeah I think that's a pretty solid game plan yeah whether I, I do whether that is the case or not and whether companies do actually want to come here or whether it's just giving everyone a bit of a break really and mm. uh increasing the reliance on the cashew consumer the cashew uh, the cashew nut the cashew nut yeah. yeah on the consumer uh i don't know fully um i think with the with the tory government you're meant to you're meant to have reduce taxation across the board and less public spending. But if the money's got to come from somewhere um, for certain things. Mm. Um, I know, it's interesting. It, it, yeah, I mean, I know America and Biden, Biden was talking about a 21% on corporation tax, which would be quite, I think he was even wanted to go higher than that at one point, which would be an increase from Trump's uh, own figures. Uh, but he was sort of coming around to the idea of a, of a 15 as well. So we'll have to wait and see, provided I think he said that they do pay their taxes. Whereas yep. of course we know that many, many, many seem to find ways around that. Um, yep. If 15% would be good if everyone paid their tax. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and there'd be a lot and, to go at. Just because it's been lowered, I don't think that will increase the number of people who want to pay their tax. No. Because they think, oh, well, that's kind of reasonable now. I think yeah. there will still be the yeah, same of course, sort yeah. of level of, of, uh, of avoidance. Yeah. No, I would agree. I would absolutely agree. Anyway, on to big debate this week, which is, as I say, a hint of before, taken for the football field has been 
quite a lot of... Uh, so we're on the eve of the Euro 2020 European Championships, Euro 2020, so it was supposed to have been played last year, now we're being played this year, to um, for the sake of any confusion. It's coming the, home. Yeah. Uh, I'm not too sure about that one. But anyway, apart from it, whether it comes home or whether it doesn't, there has been a bit of controversy with the fact that uh, before England's pre-match game, pre-tournament game, sorry, uh, they have taken the knee twice and they've been booed by a section of this crowd twice. The debate essentially looks at this because it's caused a lot of, um, it's made a lot of discussion on social media. Should the players be taking the knee on the field, on the football field? Now, this has caused a bit of a stir. You've had political figures like Nigel Farage, believe it or not, jumping onto this one and saying, oh, the the people the booers they have um, they have uncovered the truth that the BLM movement the BLM knee is all about Marxist uh, organisations taking control of Britain defunding the police and overthrowing the capitalist society that we live in or the society as we know it which seems quite far fetched and it also seems a little bit. Um, far-fetched given the fact that every single person that were booing in the stadium was booing and then if they were interviewed as to why they were booing I doubt they would all have said that but before we get into that in a bit more detail initial thoughts on it Gus I know we talked about it a bit before but knee or no knee yeah they need to take the knee yeah uh just as a you know spread it spreads awareness uh for 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 all the posts on uh, on on people's social media, you know, mm. people post on their story and they have three hundred followers. Mm. It's just to spread awareness mm. on on TV to show a message. People, black players, still yeah. get mistreated in uh, a lot of countries mm. uh, by other footballers, not just mm. by the fans, not just by the general public, by other footballers. Mm. And I think it's important to so, that Britain. Uh, and the FA can can sort of lead the way in this uh, movement and sort of pave the way for for other nations to do the same. And I think it's important we don't back down just because some of the fans don't really like it. Yeah, um, it must be awful for some of the players, you know. Mm. Like if you were if you were if you were Marcus Rashford and you were taking the knee on the pitch, and you and people from your own country were booing you. Mm. You must feel awful. Yeah. You must feel so unwanted. And then it's like, imagine how they're meant to be from your country. Imagine how yeah. they would treat someone who wasn't from their country. Mm. Of course, um, of course, the argument though goes. So I've got I've got my own list here because I think it was quite topical and it caused a lot of debate. So first of all, uh, my opinion generally is also the same, but for the sake of new, for the sake of trying to understand both sides, which is what I think you should always do, and particularly I try on this show, I've devised what I've seen to be a somewhat compelling argument. The other side, um, even though I don't necessarily agree with it, essentially we'll stick with sticking with your narrative because from what I see, I see it as a symbol of, of racial. Um, to, to, to combat racial injustice it's a symbol to say no to any form of racism whether that be online hatred on the pitch uh off the pitch even and not even with sportsmen but obviously with the football it's particularly pertinent towards those on the field that 
the white people, the people of the BAME community and, and anyone really is kneeling in solidarity with their teammates who, as you say, uh, many of whom get racially abused online. Many of the summer people get racially abused, unfortunately, in stadiums. Um, and, and yeah, and, and off the pitch as well, of course, anyone of of a BAME background, particularly uh, people of black ethnicity, it's in solidarity to them. I do believe that's what it's for. I do think as well that the knee symbol is more effective than anything that's been done by the Kick It Out campaign. Now, Kick It Out have been in football for a long time. They have been effective in parts, in patches, but never on this scale. You know, Never on this scale has it been so effective. I think a player-led movement, like yeah. taking the knee, yeah. is because is, ultimately people watch football for the players. Yeah. Uh, without... Without the players on the pitch, football wouldn't really be anything. So I think a player-led movement and something that fans can actively see the players yeah. participating in at the start of every game is mm. going to always be have much more engagement yeah. than something like kick it out. Yeah, of course they did wear shirts. I think you know, in in they've worn kick it out shirts. They've had sponsors. They've had marketing. But again, I don't think it was quite as effective as this. Um, in any way of course obviously this all stemmed from the george floyd incident of last year and it's really provoked a powerful movement uh, across the field really um and it yeah i think um i think the the idea that i've seen you know, simon george again bring his name up he was talking about this on, on the youtube channel that i saw and he's not a big fan of it because he sees it as a political motivation now they association with black lives matter the organization is that it has marxist aims they think it has marxist aims uh, and and we touched a bit about this before we actually came on air and they they use the idea of defunding the police as a, as a method of sort of overthrowing as i say something farage touched on something other people have touched on as a, as a way of i suppose throwing society into chaos causing anarchy um and up and upheaval and whatnot um in terms of the organization now i i think as i was saying i think i've said this before and i was saying it to you before i went on i went when you're trying to do a movement like racial injustice or racial or or talking about racial injustice and, and promoting racial equality you do there's always going to be, unfortunately, people that want to pull you down and drag you down. And I think when you do say something like defunding the police, particularly when there are incidents in with associated with BLM, like the taking down of statues, the looting, I'm not obviously attributing that to BLM or people who were supporting Black Lives Matter. It happens War. alongside whether yeah. it's caused by... Uh, people who were at the protest for good reasons or yeah. otherwise yeah most likely otherwise very very yeah most likely otherwise unfortunately happens alongside but when you see images like that and videos like that and then you also see messages like defunding the police you can put those two things together and get quite a scary image in your head of not something not too dissimilar to what farage and others have talked about not that i agree with it but if i'm seeing these two things there is a possibility that I don't agree with defunding the police. There is a possibility. I don't, well, I certainly, I'm not necessarily agreeing with defunding the police. I don't obviously agree with the minority that are in, enticed in these violent acts. And if you don't see the peacefulness of the process and you don't see the wider picture, 
it can paint quite an, a negative image of the organisation Black Lives Matter, which is what apparently people who've spoken out in the media against it are attributing this knee symbol with. Does that makes. I think, sense? yeah, that that makes sense. I think organisations mm. and movements for for social change and human rights mm. are always, in my opinion incredibly easy for certain characters to undermine mm. and i think this is another sort of attempt mm. uh to, to to undermine it to some extent mm. um i think it's a yeah i think it's a i think it's an easy argument it's it's a really easy argument to make but a really hard one to fight yes. for, for blm to to disprove or to say oh well we're not actually associated in that way yes we just care about uh in decreasing the well, well gareth southgate's come out and said gareth southgate's come out and actually said we are not in any way associated with marxism or uh, and we are not the like symbols of the organization we're symbols of of of, 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 of what we've already discussed uh, showing solidarity to all players whether uh, who, who are black and part of the bame community and that is what i see and that is what i think most people see. However, as noted, as I say, when Simon Jordan spoke, Jordan spoke quite at length about the topic, you could see that there was an element of struggle to accept, given the what the organisation has done and what they were trying to promote in his eyes, it wasn't quite as simple as if you if you oppose this, you're racist. If you were, or you, do, you, do you get me? I think, like you say, I think I, it's yeah. difficult, isn't it? It's difficult because it's not something I agree with, but having heard people speak up about it and speak at length about it and specific aims that they don't agree with and specific acts that they aren't a fan of, then you can see why there has been a little bit. At the same time, I'm going to throw, in fact, I'll let you answer that first and I will throw something back to sort of balance it okay. out. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say the whole sort of the whole tying defund the police yeah. to, uh, to to Marxism or mm. some sort of leftist, mm. uh, extreme leftist ideology mm. is always quite funny in my mind because mm. when you look at societies that are perhaps much more state-controlled mm. uh, and much more traditionally left, the police is one of the most fearsome organizations in each of those countries. Mm. You think back to sort of East Germany, mm. uh, to Russia, to, to China. Mm. And you think the police is in those countries, the police is the powerhouse that yeah. drives the order. Yeah. So it's kind of a bit of a, you know, yeah. no. it's kind of a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a stretch. I think, I think the defund the police message works because it's shocking not because it's technically what needs to happen i think the police needs to be funded in a different way in terms of more training for officers more money spending on more money spent on training more money spent on uh preventing corruption within the within the police force um i think there's always some i think there's always some small argument to be made just going back to to trying to associate mm. or people trying to associate uh, BLM with 
Marxist movements. I think there's always some argument to be made for mm. the small collect, uh, small connections like that. But mm. I think overall, um, well, yeah, I mean, th- you can support the message without, yeah, fully supporting, yeah, any other sort of ancillaries that are uh, that may or may not be attached to it. Good word, yeah, uh, good word. Um, yeah, I think I think that there's a few things really that you can pick holes in, really. And the one is Marxist, of course, as Mar- Marxism generally in 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 broad terms really is is sort of when the rich and the poor become, I suppose, bound economically. There isn't really much to separate people, and also identity is almost revoked, isn't it? Because you are part of the whole. You don't have the necessary necessarily the ability to express yourself in the same way. And actually, of course, that's not what BLM is about. And BLM also support. Um, identity politics um, and it's also worth bearing in mind gender identity politics sorry uh, so again that again that's something that people on the right necessarily wouldn't do particularly with more of the uh, the, the the more than two genders thing so again that's quite not Marx it's like like we've said it doesn't seem to be Marx what I think is quite amusing and, and, and people do talk about it and you can you can make those connections i suppose with marxism however tenuous or whatnot they may be and i do think some of the political levels of the organization are open to some level of scrutiny which is again why it is important to listen to that with regards to me because again there are there can be arguments made against it but at the same time i would be interested to know how many of those who were in the stadium who were booing could put forward an argument like simon jordan did about um, the the politic the politics behind it the the Marxist connections and the uh, potential violent acts that we've seen in certain areas and why he would personally be a bit worried about conforming to the knee gesture. And then I would be interested to know how many others just shouted Marxism without actually knowing what Marxism meant to a certain point or yeah. how to develop upon that point. In which case, the term Marxism is probably just a shield for I'm a racist. Yeah, they need they need like an exit. They need an exit poll. Yes, uh, on the stadium, and they need to say, "Do you like taking the knee? Do you yeah. do you like the players taking the knee?" Yeah. Yes. Okay. You know, you know what, no Gus, as well. It, it, it's it's interesting because I've heard a few arguments saying that the taking the knee came from the Black Lives Matter organization. It didn't. It didn't come from the Black Lives Matter Colin organization. Bernick did it like five or ten years ago. Exactly. Yeah. So uh-huh. it, uh, yeah, five that years, I think. Wants to. Uh, to the killing of a an unarmed black man, I believe it might have been in Las Vegas. It was in 2016. But, but yeah, the 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 fact of the matter is, he he did. Colin Kaepernick uh, did that gesture five years ago. Yeah, and it, it, and essentially, what's happened is Black Lives Matter have taken the gesture. Maybe maybe you could say. I'm not going to say. I'm certainly not going to say exploiting the gesture. They they do seem to have the best interests of, of they've black people. Adopted. At heart. They've adopted. I believe they've adopted. Yeah, the I think that's. that's the I think word. they 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 liked they liked the gesture. Yeah, it was it was done in response to something that it was Black Lives Matter is actively trying to prevent. Yeah, I think they they sort of adopted it as as sort of the 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 message and the show like the the sign of solidarity that they wanted to convey and what's worth noting as well on two points is that a black lives matter the organization did not make this symbol so any footballers in in europe or or over the world that are adopt that are taking the knee are not doing it because it originated from black lives matter and 
And as I, as I sort of joke and jest, the likes of Jordan Pickford, Harry Kane and Marcus Rashford are not kneeling and thinking, hmm, you know, of that of that communist manifesto wallpaper yeah, in their, would, in their yeah. bedrooms. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't see, uh, I don't see that myself. I don't see Kieran Trippier, uh, <laughs> thinking, oh, I'd love to be in a Marxist society right now. But again, I just think, um, you know, simple things like this goes though as well. Like we're discussing the origins of it and where it came from and that it wasn't actually like many people would say founded by Black Lives Matter, the organization. And then when we talk about actually Marxism at a little bit of length and we'd break down some of these things and we say that actually, even though you can make some comparisons that really, um, you know, it, from our point of view, it does it doesn't seem to be too, you can't seem to attach too much to those Marxist links, really. And the most concerning thing, as I said, really, was the defunding the police idea. But again, I will stress, and I didn't stress before, that was generally based on America's system. Of course, police brutality is crazy in America. And of course, while the police, you know, in the UK, this argument could be reformed, that's not been in the most positive of light this year. That Black Lives Matter movement was generally that that request and that that as you said, clickbaity, almost a power, um, uh, attractive, not attractive, but uh, eye-opening message was it's based around yep. America, primarily. Yeah. It's a it's a powerful slogan, whether or not. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I said, whether or not people people who say defund the police do not want the police no. to receive zero dollars of funding. Yeah. Uh, annually. They just want the funding to be spent properly. Yes, and in, in, in other places as well, education and in, in education, yep. in yep. training, in local yeah. communities, in local communities, yep. in yeah areas that might ha- help prevent crime. Yeah, so that the police require less funding to fight it. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think the thing is though, because from <laughs> what we what what I think is important, what what often gets mislaid is. There isn't sometimes that five, 10 minutes to really discuss it with people who are booing or with people who are against it for a particular reason. Like, for example, because I don't want to talk to them, though. No, I know. I know. <laughs> Maybe, but, but what I mean is there isn't enough platform like that. So, for example, as, and I'll touch on Mr. Simon Jordan again, when he was discussing it, he did put forward a case that you could say, you know what, you've thought about it, you've researched it, I understand to a point where you're getting these connections from. You've clearly not just, you know, discarded it and, and you're clearly not just a, a foul-mouthed racist. What you've done is is essentially looked into it. You don't like it. And you are, you should be allowed not to. That's the thing. Even And I'm going to bring the poppy in here briefly. The poppy, for me, is something that I would happily wear and I see it as a way to remember those that died in the war and in, in, a, in, a, in a positive way, which is what, the way most people use it. However, there are certain people who don't like the poppy because they think it promotes nationalism and they think that it could be construed as racist and many other people, particularly some of the Irish have particular problems with it and in the recent decade that was just gone, it's also been linked and worn by members of uh, Britain First. Tommy Robinson's worn it. Tommy Robinson's followers have worn it. So by that token, in the same way that you could argue that Black Lives Matter has been tarnished in some ways, the the, the knee by some of the events of the organisation, you would say, well, the poppy's also been tarnished by the acts that it's taken upon itself, or the people that's worn it, or the people that's you know showed it off in that sense and i would not like 
anyone to boo that when there's a minute silence and when people are commemorating um, the losses of life. In the same way, I think it's abhorrent as well to be booing the taking the knee. What I think you should do, you have a right not to support it because we all have a right to that freedom, but you don't boo if you're at the stadium. I think you simply yeah. refuse to acknowledge it. And that is yeah. the best way. If you, yeah, my, my, I, I cannot get into the mind of someone who not only doesn't like it, yeah. but wants to boo it. Yeah. If you don't like it, just be quiet exactly. and wait, wait the minute. And then your football game will start. If you're there, yeah. oh, politics shouldn't be in, it shouldn't it's be. It's not even a minute though, is it? It's, it's five, so, ten, 10 seconds. Yeah. Five seconds. It, it's not, yeah, you're right. It's not even a minute. Yep. Yeah. That, yeah, exactly. That argument's even stronger now. Yeah. It's not even a minute. Just wait 10 <laughs> seconds and your football game yeah. will start. All you have to do is just be quiet. I think the point is really, what I, what I, what I want to say as well, it's really important. Again, there are there have been arguments made on both sides that are a bit more complex than on the surface. You don't have to, you don't have to support anything. You don't have to support any movement, anything, you know, it's up to you. But what you don't do, if you're attending the game, I think you've got to respect the right that other people are supporting this for different reasons to what you're thinking. In the same way that if anyone goes onto a stadium when everyone's wearing poppies and you don't like it because it promotes something you don't like, respect the fact that many other people are probably supporting that cause for different purposes and stay quiet and stay neutral and then the game yeah. will start. I agree. Yeah. I think, you know, you've got to... So when you go to a game, yeah. you, you are accepting... You know, yeah, you're accepting that you've gone to the game and whatever yeah. happens is part of the game, right? So yeah. let's say half time is 15 minutes. Yeah. Let's if it was if it was 17 minutes, you just sit there and accept it because yeah. that's part of the game. Yeah. So you've paid you've paid to go there and you've paid to have a good experience. Yeah. So you've got to accept things that the organizers have yeah. have decided as part of the game. The only thing I could say, and the only thing I could think, and it's and it's not something I suggest doing, but if the symbol was changed to perhaps standing up and doing something different, then there may be the argument to take away the Marxist gesture. However, at the same time, as you said, there always seems to be some baggage with something. So it wouldn't take too long for someone to find something on that and then say, well, actually, we don't like it because of this. And then it almost becomes... Um, trivial that the, the the gesture keeps changing and before yeah. not, then you lose the effect of the gesture that was in place in the first place so while yeah. i think and i would like to think that if they did do that then suddenly everything would be okay there'd be no booing and everything's good i somehow doubt that i somehow doubt that while it may appease a certain percentage of people that do have a problem with the marxist ideology of the knee there would be another percentage of people that just wouldn't care and would simply react in the same manner i agree with that I think yeah. there's always going to be, you know, like I said before, incredibly easy to undermine things you don't agree with, especially yeah. when things uh, are to do with social and political change. Yeah. Real yeah. easy to undermine, really hard for the people who are carrying out the movement to uh, sort of deflect that mm. argument. Mm. Um, yeah. I yeah. think there'll always be, yeah, I think also, I think to some extent, if you if you change the gesture because the fans have booed yeah. it, you showed the fans that yeah. they're actually stronger than you. Yeah, that they're strong enough to just say, "Oh yeah, we're going to boo this thing that is fundamentally right." Yeah. Uh, so we can, we, you know, it gives it gives the fans enough power to then decide that they can be mm. sort of above the law in that 
Mm. They can bend the the rules to their will almost just by saying mm. they don't like something. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, again, it, it's treading that line. And I do, I, it, I, just to summarize that all really on the other side, and you know my opinion on it, and everyone probably knows my opinion on it, but the, because I've sort of, I said it at the start, but I'm supportive of it and I am. And also at the same time, I, I do understand that not everyone that opposes this is necessarily a racist. And I think there is a bit of an issue in attacking someone that is a racist. I'm sorry, not that, but attacking someone that appears to be racist without actually fully understanding it because not everyone will be. And the, the, the assumption that everyone is in this situation, when there is a bit of a backstory to it, we've got to understand there is sometimes a bit more beyond the surface. However, generally speaking, yeah, whatever whatever you think, whether you think negatively of this, for whatever reason, uh, if it is due to this Marxist thing, just respect the fact that many other people in that stadium actually do support the right to what they believe is a symbol for racial um, awareness, for racial equality. And that's absolutely what I believe it is. Regardless of the connections to the organisation, I believe this is simply a gesture for the equality of, uh, and the respect of black footballers and black people across across the world. And for me, yeah, I'm, I'm with you and I'm with most people in that it should be had. But I also think that we need discussions like this. I know you jokingly said that before, but we need discussions like this to break it down so that people don't feel like they're necessarily being talk down to or people don't think like the or people aren't easily manipulated to saying something else sometimes it takes a bit more of an elaborated discussion to really break down exactly what's going on and hopefully that can kind of have done that to a point um on a more open dialogue yes if you like yeah, yeah absolutely a more open dialogue breaks down this idea of cancel culture and give and, it, and it, it's educating without what what people like to call virtue signaling. It's breaking both sides down, looking at both sides of the story and really trying to dissect stuff. I think it's important to do that. And in my opinion, yeah. the people behind the movement, yeah. they should like this in terms of yeah. a more open dialogue. Gives them a chance to educate more people, yeah. connect with more people, yeah. and also strengthen their argument. Yeah. Strengthen strengthen their strength, their influence, strengthen their beliefs. Yeah. Uh, spread their beliefs to people who probably would have just dismissed them yeah. before. Yeah. We see this. No I one gets anywhere open. shouting, one side going, you're yeah. a racist, and the other one saying, you're a fascist. And if you keep going yeah. forth like a tennis match, it gets no yeah. You just divide you just divide people. Exactly. It just makes everyone upset. Yeah. No, um, it does. It does. Especially uh, people on Twitter. Yeah. Twitter Twitter is a is a cesspit sometimes. As is Facebook. As is social media. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm limiting my uh, exposure to you mean Twitter's a good, websites. Once you're on it, once you're on it, you can't stop. But just to touch on America goes, Biden, lucky man. Who's he meeting this week? Joe Biden. Probably the Queen. America. He is. Who else is he meeting? Oh, probably uh Harry and Meghan. Is he? Well, probably, yeah, know. actually. No, he probably will know. be. I don't know, he might do. Might okay, do. well, I'm, I'm going to read the script. He might do, say... yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't have it on the script, actually. I was going to say I'll, I'll read... meeting... Well, his I, that was just a guess. His favourite was... man with blonde hair. Boris. <laughs> Trump? Trump doesn't have blonde hair. It's more like reddy ginger or strawberry blonde, as they used to call it, isn't I it? I don't think it's real hair. No, <laughs> I don't it think it is. If it is, it's incredible. Boris Johnson has that hair. He got he got married recently, and it's sort of in the same 
ball oh, the of... same person exactly yeah it's crazy isn't it anyway yeah joe biden lucky man meeting the queen then meeting boris boris got to call him johnson boris birthday in 10 days is it yeah Oh, you doing any? Because you got him on your phone number. You've been asking No, because it's, no, it's my birthday in ten days. Oh, you do, you do, you do share a birthday with Boris. I share a birthday with Stephen Gerrard, the footballer who who helped Liverpool to win the Champions League. I and prefer yours. I, prefer... I think I share a birthday uh, with KSI as well. Oh, so. all right, well, famous YouTuber, famous politician. You've got it all on your birthday. Got it all. Got it all. Uh, Rather unfortunate. Yeah, June the nineteenth. Is it not? It is indeed very good. They get great, 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 great memory. Great, I can't do it anyway. But yeah, Joe Biden's going over. It's the G7 meeting because it's the G7 meeting. So that's some of the biggest economies in the world all meeting together. All seven of them. Yeah. And and Biden's meeting Boris in Cornwall. In Cornwall. And you know what's funny? uh, Johnson, Boris went to Cornwall in a jet, went to Cornwall in a jet. And he tweeted about it with a picture of him next to his jet. And he's talk- they're talking about the climate change, talking about climate change. I thought it was quite funny and ironic that, you know, it's probably not the most... I'd make him walk back, <laughs> offset the carbon dioxide. Exactly. You know, I thought walk it was back, quite... Dropping, dropping a trail of, uh, a tro- a trail of uh, seeds behind him to plant some, some flowers to, uh, to offset the... Uh, well, offset a tiny percentage of the CO2. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Uh, it was quite amusing. I'd go into a walk back, you know. Yeah, or get yeah, on his yeah. bike. He loves cycling. He does like Boris bikes, isn't it, from when he was mayor of London. Um, yeah, get him get, get him on his bike. That's what I'd say. Yeah, well, I'd if he can, if he can cycle seven miles from his house, he can cycle to Cornwall. And can we just say as well that to get a plane to, to Cornwall from his... Is there even an airport in Cornwall? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at... I think it was a private jet. Um, you're looking at up oh, what well, it probably was, wasn't it? Well, it was. It's, it's yeah, up, yeah. You're looking yeah. at about yeah. five minutes. You know, two minutes, one minute. I don't even think you get to cruising altitude or cruising speed. No, I genuinely, you, you, you would struggle. You would. I can't believe you've done it. I mean, it's common in America. It's common in other bigger countries, but not, not Britain. That's a joke. That's crazy. That is a joke. That is crazy. Anyway, yeah. You could. So, you could uh, that the journey is so short, I'm pretty sure you could do it there and back in an electric car on one charge. Yeah, crazy, crazy. I mean, it's interesting. Like, so G7, obviously, uh, some super economies, not China, obviously, because Japan are there, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Canada as well. Um, it's sort of spread across the world. Some really big, like I said, some of the biggest economies in the world there France as well, Italy, um, Germany. I think they are. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, I always remember when they used to do the G7 meetings and Donald Trump used to be there and they didn't know what Donald Trump would say. (laughs) And I always used to remember uh, Angela Merkel's facial reactions. I think it was Theresa May at the time as well. And they both looked mortified as he went up to the stage. And I think I remember he he sort of gave sly digs to all the rest of them. You can imagine it's like all those dinner parties where it's you know the the groups in one corner and he's in the other and it it was um it was remarkable joe biden slightly like less. it's like a game of uh cards against humanity when all trump's going to stand up but but joe biden will be slightly more mainstream dignified. For everyone, i think yeah and dignified uh all 
Although I must say, I did laugh a little bit when he used to go up, and you just don't know what he's going to say. And from an entertainment perspective, he was Trump. Going. Trump. It, it was really funny having Trump in those meetings until you remembered he's actually in charge of. Oh stuff. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's slightly less funny. It was. It was less. Um, it was, yeah, it was an interesting four years. Uh, some brilliant documentary on the BBC that covered the Trump uh, experience. It, really worth a watch. Um, but yeah, so some of the big a- aims on the G7, leading the global recovery from the coronavirus while strengthening resilience against future pandemics. I mean, that's quite obvious and topical. We've also, got Don't from- put the pandemic uh, contingency budget. Step one. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It's a pretty yeah. good start. Um, and I suppose that could that could be contingency. I mean, that's good planning for anyone, really. Uh, whether you're a country world leader of a, uh, they'll, sit, the... they'll sit back for a bit now. Oh, we've had we've had the the we've had the once in a century pandemic, so we've mm-hmm. got ninety nine years more time. Yep, promoting future prosperity by championing free f- free and fair trade. Well, that's going to be important with Brexit uh, currently. We'll get a trade deal with uh, a nice trade deal with Japan, though. America, to be fair, Joe Biden's been talking that up for a while. I think it sounds as though they they, they want to do some good deals with Britain, which, to be fair, we should. I would uh, love a trade deal with Japan. You want to trade deal with Japan? We did have one in the EU, but it might be a better one, though. Japanese stuff's actually quite good. Also, America? I mean, that's obviously the big one. uh, When Donald Trump was in America's, Yeah, America's the big one. I think they they were... They were t- I think they were playing hardball for a little bit. Oh, no guarantee we'll get a uh, get a trade deal was what Trump said mm. or something. Yeah, but I think it seems they stand to benefit. Yeah, yep. we stand to benefit. So hopefully, we daft not to. Yeah, hopefully that happens. Uh, they also well, obviously this is a big one: tackling climate change and preserving the planet's biodiversity. Biden's been a champion of climate change with his massive radical green plans in America that have sort of been largely supported by the public generally, but it has to go through, um, you know, their, their yes, exactly their version of the House of Commons and with the Republicans having quite a large number in there, it could be quite difficult to get the required number to go through with all of these radical plans that Biden has in mind. But it is, you know, it's, 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 I do, you've got to admire the leader of the free world is so um, much thinking about sustainable thinking with his, with his push for the green environment. You've got to admire that without doubt. Uh, and and Boris, uh, Boris is sort of championing it as well. He said, we, but we don't just want to be rabbit huggers, which was quite slightly less, um, um, uh, shall we say, uh, sophisticated but, than Biden's explanation of, of what he wanted to do with the green uh, discussion. Boris Johnson strikes me as more of a rabbit shooter than a rabbit hugger. He does. He does. Um, he did do fox hunting, didn't he? He yeah. did. Or maybe, hopefully, uh, maybe Biden's plan can involve. Uh, Scrapping Air Force One and turning it into a an electric bicycle. Well, that will be quite radical, I think. Quite uh, radical. I, Maybe I, we can scrap uh, Boris Johnson's private jet as well. Well, I I always save, think save him the hassle of uh, of waiting around to fly back to uh, to to number ten. Yeah, well, it will be interesting. I'm sure that will be quite interesting. To be fair, I mean. Also, one of the big, the, the the last big big thing on the on the on display. It's quite generic again, but championing global shared values. Now, this will be interesting because Joe Biden, as I touched on last week and the week before, has openly talked about um, LGBTQ plus rights. He's openly discussed race. He's openly discussed a lot of things that ordinary ordinarily presidents don't do. Um, 
<laughs> can you see that kind of message? I mean, I can see it transpiring across some of the other European countries. Can you see it coming across to Britain? I mean, to be fair to Boris Johnson, he's actually been um, a little bit more liberal than maybe has been in the past with the, with the things he's said. Um, can you see him sharing canceled. that progressive nature of of Biden? I, uh, I think. So. I think. Uh, I want to. I want to give Boris some some benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And say he's gonna he's gonna do it in a Borisy way, where <laughs> it, it perhaps will be semi well intentioned, but right. perhaps slightly a little bit uh, not quite there in terms of the delivery. Do yeah. I think the rest of the Tory party will get behind it? Probably not. No. Uh, um, whether no. whether Boris does is one thing. Whether the rest of the Tory party does is yeah. a, another thing, to be honest. To be fair, um, one, one thing that is looking good, not for Boris, but for Biden, is his push for 68 of the 100 representatives in the, uh, in the Senate pushing forward for a 250 billion tech surge to counter China. So that will that's something that Americans feel strongly about becoming the tech power once again because China's really coming up strong. Well, you know, I'm still gonna buy a Huawei smartphone at the end of the day. So coronavirus hasn't put you off. Coronavirus um, hasn't put me off. You get like a little coronavirus sticker in the box, I think. Do you? <laughs> God, that I would was like it, yeah cool. i was gonna say that yeah. that would be a bit morbid though wouldn't it um, like a goal like a goal maybe maybe a little bit tone deaf i'm not surprised by anything anymore to be honest would i that. would i spend i've i what, generally would say I, speak, I would generally say i speak openly about my views on tech would i spend a thousand pounds on an iphone no i'm still gonna buy a 200 pound uh phone from china china um, it's made it's it's made in the same factory almost yeah when you no, buy an iphone it says made in china on it yeah it's, it, you know hmm. i believe one of the just just to get slightly off topic so i believe yeah. one of the the things that the reasons why chinese companies can get it so cheap is partly obviously because the workers are paid less <laughs> although to some extent good job you're not thinking that, ethically about purchases isn't it? that doesn't well you know apple apple also built their their devices in China. So you kind of have to ask yourself, well, where's that extra money that Apple makes from each sale going? Mm. Uh, but okay. one of the things that uh, Chinese manufacturers do is they cut down on the parts cost. So they use wider tolerances on what's acceptable for performance of like chips and mm. circuit boards and stuff. So they basically use like waste parts or they use parts that don't pass mm. um, the level of... Uh, testing Absolutely. that apple yeah. parts do yeah yeah so they they save a massive thing on parts but you know more well, investment is good do you know, i think tesla will be a big part of the uh the 250 billion maybe i would imagine so yeah when i was in china though on the uh, on the phone front i remember you, if you got a phone in china and, and started in china you wouldn't be able to access Google or you would take, it would be very, very difficult to access anything like that because of course they are designed that you can't unless you have a VPN, which are very difficult to download when the app store itself is designed not to show them because it's a Chinese app store. So that is, that was, that was always the dilemma I had for me. That's why I went to go to get mine in Hong Kong um, and got a Galaxy A50. So I mean, you didn't need to know that, but it is what it On is. Detail, though. Yeah. Totally. I think, yeah. And last... I always order the global, but whenever I order from 
I order a Chinese phone. Yeah. For the moment, I have a. Uh, well, it's got, it's a real me. Real you. Um, and it is from Chongqing. Yeah. Uh, and I think I said that right. Maybe. I think maybe. Just yeah. pretend like I did say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always make sure I order the uh, the global version because yeah, you're right. Otherwise, you. Uh, yeah, exactly. You're in for a difficult uh, time. You're it? For a, yeah, you're in for a tough time. Yeah. Lastly, uh, funny news story this week, which amused me at least, um, was taken from Oxford University. I don't know if you saw this, but a few weeks ago, uh, the government were promoting the idea that all universities needed to promote freedom of speech in all forms, which I agree with. I think people should be able to speak from the right, from the left, so long as they're not completely fascist or completely as the as the right would go, just to counter that Marxist. It's important to get uh, thinkers from the moderate right, from the centre, from the moderate left, so that people can have their own opinions. And if you don't like the moderate right guy, you can say, I don't like him. That's what happened. An open dialogue. Exactly. I do think we need an open, even though I'm a centre-left primarily from what I think about myself I and what I believe in. Um, probably certainly more the left um, than than the right, and I would say centre left, uh, slightly pushed right from moderate left. Maybe when I got thrown into the Corbyn, uh, uh, you know, when you've got your first under. paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See you later, communist manifesto. Uh, he wasn't communist, but anyway. Yeah, communist Marxist. They all get thrown together, don't they? But. They said Everyone this. I think it was like the Cold War. How exactly, yeah. But everyone was cheering this because everyone was cheering this. Could, oh, we're not going to be cancelled, blah, blah, blah. But Oxford, uh, a college in Oxford, uh, recently decided that they were going to take down a portrait of the Queen because they didn't. Uh, they thought that the uh, wasn't very progressive to have that portrait up. Um, and for whatever reason, the student body voted and they wanted to replace it with something more progressive, so they took it down. And this is Oxford University um doing that which i thought was quite ironic because the the outcry actually from other people say you can't do this you can't do this many of those same people would have been saying oh it's important that we have the freedom of speech to say and do as we please and in this instance freedom of speech is good as long as you agree with my opinion is the uh is the is the so true is the message from a lot of people yeah, no, it is. Both right it, and left. It, it absolutely is. And it is a very amusing. Cancel culture is only a thing when you want it to be. And when you say someone can't say something else, suddenly it's not. Um, suddenly, it's, yeah. you know, it is ridiculous. It's also very funny when anything like this ever happens because it's always funny um, to to do this. And just, just to get a quick update on what they said about it, uh, Oxford... Um, Student, the student uh, uh, spokesman said, we are not capable of cancelling the Queen. This is about communal space and making people feel welcome. So they felt that it was more appropriate to do this, as I said, based on progressive movement, because it says some students felt the depiction of the monarch and the British monarchy represent recent colonial history. And Gavin Williamson said, in outrage, you can't do this, but this is the same Gavin Williamson as well, as I said, that, that promoted the idea of freedom of speech within universities. And apparently, so so some sources have said, Gavin Williamson, the education secretary, who hasn't been particularly amazing throughout the pandemic, is on the verge of possibly being sacked by Boris Johnson. But that, we'll have to wait and see for another episode for that. My thanks to Gus. My thanks Thank to... Thank you very much for having me again. My thanks to me. I'm uh, like a super sub. I'm like a... 
my yes. Holly. Uh, yes, you are. A uh, who? Ollie. Ollie. Oh, Ollie Gunnarsson. Yes, Ollie yeah. famous Man United footballer and current manager. And a big thanks to Adam for all the good work he's doing with those kids who are really struggling. Cannot believe he's doing this on the uh, good of his own back. Voluntarily, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. That is madness after he even has a work shift before that. So credit goes to him for that. Do you know what charity it's for? Uh, I have to find out next week. Okay. <laughs> to find out Char- next week. Charity shout out for Adam. Yeah, charity maybe. shout out for Adam, maybe. But even right, regardless if it's for a charity, recognised charity or not, very good deed. So well done, Adam. Uh, join us next week for more political discussion. We'll have a full update on how that roadmap went, or or how the roadmap is intended to go, and other uh, things will probably be on discussion as always. Just keep calm, stay safe, and don't get any variants. Bye bye.